0: Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, it is episode number 60. It is the second week of October 2020, coming at you after an unscheduled week off. We didn't like that, but uh, we're going to keep... Keep it going here this week and try to catch up a little bit. Uh, A couple things this week. First of all, 2020 keeps doing what it does. Um, On top of detaining me last week, there was this. Parrots had to be removed from a zoo because they were cursing at the passerbys. Um, These parrots were MFing people as they walked past so, Toucan Sam and his friends were put in the penalty box. So, that is so 2020 um, that even the Parrots have had it. Um, so, that's, uh, you know, your 2020 update for this week. Um, some other good news, um, I did get the Red Dragon back from the chassis shop, so that was that was really exciting uh, last week. Um, the, the That car, as you guys may or may not know, was purchased two years before I was born. was driven by my dad for a long, long time. And then I drove it for a while and then went upside down last year. And it is now back from the chassis shop. And it is about 300-plus pounds lighter than it was. And it is uh, taking the next step now, as we speak, uh, to be Out on the racetrack near you Early next year so I am very excited About that also It's October so That means that uh, we have some Halloween parties coming up if you are Not racing uh, At least hopefully there will be some Halloween parties Um, and Let me offer this out there to you If you are ever in doubt about what you Should go as I have a very Specific set of skills When it comes to Halloween costumes And I am here to help all you have to do is reach out, and I will help you make the tough decisions that come with choosing your Halloween costumes. Uh, the girls are pretty easy. Just be a sexy whatever. You can be a sexy cop. You can be a sexy nun, sexy robot, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just make it sexy. Bam, you are set. All set. Guys, it's a little tougher, but I have you covered. Um, I'm very, very good at this, uh, so if you need me, I'm here. Just get at me. Um, in either event, um, th- there's lots and lots to cover for you in this episode, so uh, we better get to it. I've I've got a great guest on, a couple great guests on for you today. Um, we've got a whole group of guests bumping into the beams. Then we have Ryan Berba, who is a quick 16 promoter out of Ohio. He's going to come on and talk uh, what he does, and I'm excited to have him on. So uh, I can't wait to get it on. Let's go do it. So do whatever it is that you do while you're listening to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on the old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on. Get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get this thing hot. Put it in the water box. Uh, Guys, girls, there were big big news this week, Um, and actually it was last week, but it was still great news of our association, the National Hot Rod Association, and Camping World completed their multi-year deal to make Camping World the title sponsor of the NHRA, stealing that rain from the evil cocaine salesman. Uh, This, of course, was presented at the St. Louis National Event and was great news for our sport. Uh, and likely is one of the best sponsors we could have hoped for, given that what we do ends up being camping out a bunch. Uh, So that is really good synergy Um, and uh, excited for all of us really to be able to replace uh, the Coke that quickly. But we should talk about this also because of course, everything has to be political in 2020. So there was some consternation from some groups because We, uh, overall, are primarily conservative in nature in our sport, Uh, mostly, like I said before, not even by choice, but by necessity, uh, given that the Dems will just tell us flat out that they hate our sport and want to stop it if they possibly could. Uh, So that somewhat demands a certain take uh, in the political realm here. Um, But in either event, Marcus Limonis, the CEO for Camping World, did make a statement about If you don't condone racist behavior and speech, then he doesn't want you as a customer of Camping World. All right. So many people took that to mean that Mr. Malone said he didn't want Trump supporters at Camping World. That is decidedly not what he said. Um, And like almost everything that the media reports, that nuance was lost in translation and misconstrued to mean something that it wasn't. Um, by all accounts, at least uh, nothing I can find in his statements or, you know, in Twitter, or whatever it might be. Mr. Lomonas doesn't hate Trump supporters, uh, but instead he does not want to cater to racists, which is perfectly fine by me. I can absolutely get down with that. That whole situation, that whole uh, fine people hoax was uh, Find people statement hoax was was a real problem because none of the words actually what Trump said or what Mr. Lamona said actually uh, made it to our ears without being uh, without being mixed up for some other reason. So um, I can absolutely get down with what he said and and I'm okay with Camping World. So. Uh, Overall, in my opinion, it's a nice addition for the association and truly was an impressive performance by the folks in Glendora in wasting no time in replacing the syrup salesman. Um, The other notable event that happened in St. Louis, and this is not so good, was that it got incredibly windy and the track was extremely cold, a decided change in how that usually feels in St. Louis uh, because it's usually incredibly hot. Um, and what it set up for was some absolutely wild crashes in St. Louis. Um, and and there is this: some people think that we need more of this in our sport to attract fans. I am not one of those people. Um, and to watch so many cars be destroyed and be fearful that so many racers might never walk the same way again had me feeling pretty awful. Um, it is so so vital. That we be ever vigilant with the safety protocols in our cars. And St. Louis was another glaring example of why. Uh, due to nothing the drivers did, we saw Leah Pritchett, we saw Alexis DeJoria, we saw Kenny Delco, and one of our own, Philip Oakley, all take turns stress testing their safety gear. and Thankfully, they all came away unscathed. But it wasn't something I care to watch very often. And frankly, I hope the association makes the call to sideline our cars when the conditions are too treacherous sooner than what they did at Gateway at the Time. Additionally, I'd like to have top dragster, top sportsman, especially included in that pro-stock and pro-mod version when the cars are halted because we don't need any of that anymore let's put it in the beams presented by this is Bracketracing.com. and we are going to go off the grid on this one and do something that i have never done in the history of the show and that is this have the entire pdra elite top sportsman field in the beams here uh for the first ever all three second field No, I do not have 16 qualifiers on the phone with us today, but uh, it was an a historic event for our classes and needs to be addressed with the reverence it deserves. First of all, so for the Magnafuel Elite Top Sportsman class in the PDRA event uh, at Galat last weekend, this is what the qualifying field looked like. Your number one qualifier was Buddy Perkinson. He goes... 3.673 seconds. 6673 at 204 miles an hour to lead that class and get the pole. It's amazing. Those are pro mod numbers pretty much anywhere you go um, or have been the majority of the year. So Buddy Perkinson is number one. Uh, John Benoit is number two. He's a 372. Derek Brown is at number three. He's a 383. So Buddy put a little bit of um, of space in between the first couple competitors, but then after that it gets pretty jumbled pretty quick. Tim Mulner is fourth. He goes 384. David Brown is 385. Jamie Fowler is 385 with a six. Don Rudd is 386 with a nine. Donnie Urban hits the 8th spot, and he goes 387.3. So Donnie Urban is the 8th place competitor, and he is 387.3 at 189 miles an hour. Erica Coleman is ninth at 383. Henry Underwood is a 391. Dwayne Salance is a 392. Randy Perkinson is a 393. Jeremy Seisman is a 393. Scott Duggins, 394. Cheyenne Stanley is a 394 with a 7. And your 16th qualifier, the bump spot, John Prime is 396.2. So it wasn't a 399. It was a 396.2 for the bump spot of 16 cars. Um, this is essentially a pro mod field, um, and these guys are dialing it. I love it. I cannot get any more excited about this than what I am. And my hope is that we continue to see this and that we see more of this again soon. So on top of having this field where we uh, have the number one qualifying spot at 367.3 and the bump spot is a six two at 187 miles an hour, let's talk about the first round. Let's talk about the first round, and let's talk about reaction times. Uh, So on top of being incredibly fast, um, the reaction times were amazing. So there were six double O reaction times, and there were only two lights in the 20s in that whole round in the first round. That is amazing. Um, So, I mean, these guys did it on both ends of the track. Um, so so we got to congratulate Buddy Perkinson for his number one qualifying spot in the fastest top sportsman field ever. And congrats to Donnie Urban for winning the fastest top sportsman field ever. Um, because Donnie Urban gets it done over Dwayne Solance in the final. Donnie is 15, a couple above to win and. Uh, man, just an amazing performance. Those uh, four rounds were really, really good. Essentially, every single time they lined up, it, there was a fantastic race and uh, and extremely fast. And for my money, this is the format that makes the most sense to me, uh, this Elite 16 and then another 32 or another 48 or whatever it might be. I mean, I think let the big dogs eat. Uncork the fastest 16 and let them rip the pavement apart. Um, it is awesome racing. And if the fastest want to compete against the fastest, I mean, they do. They, there's a reason why the PDRA draws who they are, draw, and it's because the fastest on the planet want to compete against the fastest on the planet. Um, I believe that this similar setup would work in other associations. Um, it certainly has worked for the PDRA. And uh, once again, we should congratulate all of those who made the first sub three-second field, who made it a historic field ever, and really put on one of the best shows we'll see all season long. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by lawyer.com and we have... Just a lot of action to get to, so I'm going to get right into it. Obviously, not being able to get you caught up last week put me a little bit behind. So we've got some action to get to you. And um, first of all, when we go to their Division One, had a double at VMP, and so starting with the top dragster side, their first event of the weekend, their number one qualifier was Alan Kenny. He goes six fourteen two at two hundred and twenty one miles an hour, and Allen goes from the number one spot uh, to the winner's circle. He uh, wins over Albert Stafarini, and um, I think I pronounced that right, Albert. And uh, that is a, that's a nice win for Allen. Goes number one and then to the winner's circle um, on the top sportsman side. There were thirty five cars, uh, nineteen cars. We're in the sixes in your number one qualifier. Stop me if you've heard this before. Lester Johnson. He goes six twenty-nine two at two hundred and thirty-six miles an hour. Uh but your winner was John Taylor over Ron Regal. Uh John was eighteen two above for the win. So congrats to John Taylor and Alan Kenny for winning that first leg in VMP. Um then on the second side of that double. Uh, there were 25 cars that loaded up for that second event, and your number one qualifier was Steven Fur. He goes 6'10 with a nine at 216 miles an hour. Uh, stepped it up a little bit, take the top spot away from Allen. And your winner, you've heard her here on the show before, was Brooke Foley over Brandon Miller. Brooke was just nasty. I mean, she was 12 dead on two in the final and just does not leave a window for Brandon Miller. So congrats to Brooke Foley on her win in top dragster there. On the top sportsman side, there were 31 cars. Lester Johnson gets it done again. He amped it up a little bit, goes 618-1 at 240 miles an hour. Folks, in a door car, in that shoebox, that 55 Bel Air goes 240 miles an hour. He's got both those turbos spinning right now, and it is incredibly impressive. And, um, boy, that 6'10 index does not seem to be a problem for him going, uh, or I should say it's going to be a problem for him fairly quickly. Uh, But your winner was Alan David Watsky over Ronnie Proctor in a double breakout final. So congrats to Alan David Owaski for getting that win in top sportsman now on to the St Louis national event that we talked a little bit before earlier the outside of all the other action in the uh making the announcements and then the issues with the track there was an event there, and we we had top dragster- cars go down uh Philip Oakley was your number one qualifier he goes six eleven seven at two hundred and thirty five mile an hour. Unfortunately, that was the best part of his weekend. Um, he had um, that terrible accident later on, as, as we talked about a little bit. Uh, but your winner is Patrick Forrester over J.B. J. Strasweg. Patrick is 009, one above three in his first final round to win his first Wally Parks trophy. So congrats to all those competitors and top dragster that battled, stayed there on Monday to get it done, and especially to Patrick Forrester. Moving west to Thunder Valley, Noble, Oklahoma, there was an NHRA Division IV event. Uh, not highly attended, but really competitively um, competitive cars that showed up. So in top dragster, there were 13 cars. Your number one qualifier was David Nation. He goes 6-13-3 for the top spot. And your winner was Kyle Seacrest over Bill Swan. They were dead even reaction times off the line, and Kyle Seacrest gets there first for his first Wally trophy. Congrats to those guys on a on a great race, and congrats to Kyle for getting his first Wally. Uh, on the top sportsman side, there were 14 cars. Bob Galitti is your number one qualifier. He goes 631 with a one, and then Bob goes from the top spot to the winner's circle, Uh, Bob beats Kyle Firestone in the final. Bob has a starting line advantage. Kyle looks like maybe had some issues down track, and Bob wins his eighth Wally, third of this year. So Bob really on fire this year. Nicely done to all those out in uh, Thunder Valley. Uh, Continuing to move west on the NHRA Division Series, Uh, Division 7 had a, a double at Wild Horse Pass Raceway in Chandler, Arizona. Um, The first leg of that uh, double divisional had 34 cars in top dragster show up. The bump was a 736, but your number one qualifier was Shonda Blinsler. She goes 6'11", 2 at 232 miles an hour. But your winner was Dan Naylor over Steve Kasner. Dan, was 007 dead nine sixteen total. Not giving the Kaz man any room, and Dan Naylor gets his first Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally Parks Trophy. Um, on the top sportsman side, there were fourteen cars. Brian Laflamme goes six thirty with a three for the top spot, and Dean Hall meets Robert Strom in the final. Dean is 17-1,000 under for the double breakout win. Congrats to Dean Hall for winning the first leg of top sportsman out at Wild Horse Pass. On the second leg of that double, there were 31 cars that uh, made the call for first round of top dragster. Taylor Vetter goes six fourteen eight at 229 miles an hour for the top spot. And your winner was Mike Mendenhall over Thomas Bear. Mike is one above seven for the win in the final and his first Wally. Congrats, Mike Mendenhall. On the top sportsman side, there were 13 cars. Jeff Conley goes 6'19", 7 at 233 miles an hour. Man, he's got that 19 Camaro rolling. 6'19", at 233 for the top spot. But your winner was Joe Rubichek over Mr. California, Doug Crumlich, Doug, man, my man was wearing his fast brackets nation gear and got some karma was looking good, but I can only assume that Joe Rubichek was wearing his fast brackets nation underwear. And, uh, he used that to get the win and his ninth Wally. So congrats to everyone out there. at Wild horse pass. Um, Let's go to the PDRA Drag Wars at Galat Motorsports Park. Man, they had a great event. Obviously, we already talked about the elite top sportsman group that was historic. On the top dragster side, it was pretty impressive as well. Um, They had um, a bunch of cars. Their bump was a 423 on the top dragster side. So you just don't see that very often, that the top sportsman cars have a quicker field than the top dragster guys. Uh, but Michael White didn't. Uh, I mean, didn't disappoint. He goes three seventy one nine at one hundred ninety four miles an hour for the top spot. But your winner in elite top dragster was Kellen Farmer. He's the first ever guest on the show. Uh, wins over Josh Duggins. Kellen is a twenty three two above for the win. Nicely done, Kellen Farmer um, in elite top dragster. Um, on the regular 32 top dragster side, um, that bump spot for the next 32 cars was, or sorry, for the next, I think, 16 cars was a 443.9. So it was a tight field in that class. Nick Maloney is your number one qualifier. He goes 421.4 at 162 miles an hour. And your winner was Wallace Wilson over Ricky Mullner. Wallace was just nasty. 004, dead five. Nine total in the final to give Ricky Mulner no chance in the final. Um, so, congrats to Wallace Wilson on getting a win in that really nice uh, field. I mean, you've got a bump spot of four twenty four, or sorry, top spot of four twenty four and a bump spot of four forty three. That's a that's a bunch of cars that are really close together, and that was just great racing out there to watch or to be part of. Uh, we talked about the elite top sportsman side, so we, we got to talk about the. Top sportsman, 32. Um, They were 45 cars trying to make that 32-car field. And if you're Zach Hauser, you go 397.5 at 173 miles an hour, and you don't make the field. You are the number one qualifier in the regular 32 group. Um, Can you even imagine going a three-second top sportsman eighth-mile pass and then not qualifying. It just uh, is amazing what these cars are doing right now. So, congrats to Zach Hauser for getting the number one spot. But your winner was J.R. Ward in his 67 Nova in the final. Congrats to J.R. Ward and really everyone who showed up and put on a fantastic show at Galat for the PDRA Drag Wars. Uh, there was also some action in the Midwest Drag Racing Series, um, but they've wrapped that up. We're going to talk about that next week Um, also we'll talk um, because we want to really dig into that a little bit Um, we're also going to talk about uh, the results from rockingham and nhra division two event next week we will talk about the nhra national event that is being held down in texas the texas motorplex and the top dragster group down there and we will get you caught up on the point standings all that next week (laughs) whoa let's get out of the groove for just one minute we've got a couple of huge winners we just have to talk about this week um the first is the pro mod diesel world record and th- this is not my element i am firmly in the belief that diesels are to be used to pull your rig to the track not to be put out on the track but um that is not what happens in the Outlaw Diesel Super Series. So um, what happened was the Fire Punk Diesel, the Hotshot Secret-backed S10 Pro Mod, breaks the diesel world record. Um, it is now the world's fastest diesel door slammer. It goes 423 at 178 miles an hour. Your driver is Larson Miller, and they make that S10 door truck go really fast with a lot of black smoke and uh, 421 to the 8th at 178 miles an hour. And something that you could put a hitch on the back and pull your car with is pretty impressive. So congrats to all those guys to get that diesel down the track. Um, You know, it's 421. 421. Uh, is not going to cut it in the PDRA, but everywhere else on the planet is incredibly impressive. Um, Additionally, then this just happened Monday. We crowned another million dollar winner in bracket racing at the great American guaranteed million in Memphis. So congrats to Jeff Sarah for winning the million dollar prize, the championship belt, the Mosier engineering trophy and all the glory that goes with beating the best of the best, that pulled into the lanes at Memphis last weekend. It was really pretty incredible. Uh, Jeff, Sarah, wheeling a Chevy 2 that uh, ruined the good motor early in the week. Um, So they changed that out, put the slow motor in, um, and then just got hot and ran the table. But, I mean, Jeff drove the wheels off that thing. Um, It didn't look like he had any idea what that thing was uh, supposed to be dialed or what it would do from – from uh, round to round I mean, just, you know, what he did in terms of uh, where the dial-ins were all moved on, round to round just very atypical of what it would take to win when you think about the competition that goes into that. But uh, just serily, seriously impressive driving from Jeff Serra and a seriously impressive showing for all of drag racing, really, to crown a million-dollar champion and to do it um, – at that level and to have all the eyes on it and, um, to really bring legitimacy to all of this. So nicely done to the, uh, to the hotshot secret backed S 10 pro mod for breaking the diesel world record. And congrats to Jeff Sarah for being the second multi million or million dollar winner in bracket racing this year. Okay, as we hit the mile per hour cone today, presented by TheBlindMachinist.com. Just go to TheBlindMachinist, order a pen, help Dan Parker make a few bucks, and get yourself a super cool gift that is really probably the best conversation starter anyone will have over the holiday season. You can get that at TheBlindMachinist.com. And on with us now from Beaver Creek, Ohio, he is the marketing manager at Performant Clinic's Custom Engines, and he's the director of the National Trail Quick 16 Series. Welcome to the show, Ryan Berba. Ryan, how are you today?
1: Doing great, Rex. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. You know, at, on the show, we talk a lot about, obviously, the NHRA series, the PDRA series, the Midwest uh, Drag Racing Series, but... I think what you're doing at National Trail is really vital so I wanted to have you on because it it is really sometimes the first opportunity guys get at uh trying their hand at qualifying races and so I'm really excited to have you.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: Um let's let's go back before you uh before you're organizing race events and let's let's talk about how you got started in racing. What's your backstory, yeah, man?
1: absolutely well, i'm a third generation racer uh, my dad still races today back when i was growing up he had a wheel standing in 69 nova and today he's got a top sportsman car my grandpa raced uh, years past uh, with a 57 chevy in stock he kind of cut back on the racing to focus on building a business which he opened up an engine shop in his garage in 1975 and it's continued still today and uh we're all hands on deck it's family business here in beaver creek called performance clinic a little smaller size shop than the major names but we're still cranking out the same performance and quality as everyone else
0: right okay gotcha so i mean you're around it from day one and um you, you didn't have any choice
1: but to be addicted to it did you <laughs> i didn't have a chance to do anything else <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I get it um, and obviously you started racing Then talk about the first car you drove and uh, how you when you really started letting go
1: yeah well uh, the first race I was in was a, a high school eliminator at our local track Kill Care and, uh, my hand-me-down beater which was a 95 Cutlass and uh, we runnered up the first day out Now there was only two cars but it still sounds a lot better as a runner up <laughs> the right. first day out
0: you went to the final <laughs> man think-
1: absolutely i think we crushed it way red and not even close but you know uh, from there it was you know could only go up uh i didn't do the the juniors uh, dad was traveling a little bit more back then and i, mean, I having fun you know going and watching some you know, quick eights pretty much every weekend back then and then uh he moved on from his Bretta that he had he had a bickle Beretta back then he moved on to a 63 corvette and the Breda kind of became a hand-me-down too, and I was able to get in that the year I turned 16, got a few races under my belt, and kind of slowly started started going a little faster with that thing, and it was never quite a Quick 8 car. You know, Quick 8 scene had kind of died a little bit. I was able to sneak into a few races and actually uh, won a Quick 8 track championship at Edgewater. I honestly forget what year that was, and then uh, that same year he had actually wrecked his Corvette, next year he took the drag or uh, took the Beretta back and kicked me into a dragster. And I've been in a dragster ever <laughs> since. And, uh, just within the last couple of years, you know, started going a little faster, put a big block in big block Chevy in it and going quick, eight raising myself.
0: Well, the, you just bumped up in, in my opinion, because, uh, this is a, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I love those Berettas. I absolutely loved them. And, uh, and I wish we made more of them still yet to this day, but, uh,
1: that, you know, that, it's kind of funny every once in a while, you'll, you'll go to a track and you'll see a couple of them. And, uh, we still have, uh, we don't have the bread. We sold it to one of our engine customers, but it's still right there. They parked with us out there at kill So we still see it. It's still out there. And, you know, uh, it was an 88 model. And I swear that that thing's better than a lot of cars that are out there today being built. Those things were, were absolute tanks.
0: Yep. No, that's uh, and they're, perfect for uh you know for exactly what we do right i mean they're they're a great tool for that so absolutely well so you so you're driving the dragster now and mm-hmm. um and to, so walk us through that walk us through that car a little bit
1: yeah it's a 2019 diamond dual suspended dragster that uh i built well, actually had got engaged and i'd asked my wife uh current wife had said you know do you want a honeymoon or do you want a race car? And she said race car. So I was like, all right. So I built a, I built a new dragster and gave her the old, the old dragster. So that's why I put this one together that the, the, when we first got it out, we kind of called it the honeymoon. Um, But it's a 2019 dual suspended uh, diamond dragster that uh, I don't even have a hundred runs on it. It's still, still got that new car smell to it. Then uh, we've got, 632 big box Chevy that you know performance clinic built steel block spread port heads tunnel ram two carbs two nitrous systems and dual suspension and me in it and the steel block it's it's kind of heavy it's you know about 21 25 to twenty one fifty, depending on whose scales you go across so not not really a a light car but I built it thinking it'd be a good bracket car and a good fast bracket car and then kind of developed some some quick races around here and it's more a fast bracket car than it is just a regular old bracket car. And we don't really go anywhere that we're not spraying it. <laughs> so right. it works really, really well for what we're doing. I think, you know, could have gone with a lighter chassis, longer chassis, something be a little faster, but uh, I, I like the car the, the way that it is. And it, it works really well for what I'm doing. I think there's definitely some performance we're leaving on the table just because of the weight primarily, but haven't got to a point where we really need the extra hundreds out of it just yet.
0: Well, that is all fine and dandy, but you just shocked me there because I thought there was no such thing as true love, and then what <laughs> you did was you just told me there's there is still a thing out there. She chose there, a race there, car uh, over the honeymoon. I just I'm I'm still reeling from that revelation here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was shocked too. I didn't expect that answer, but I was very thrilled that I got it. <laughs>
0: Uh, impressive to you, sir. very impressive um well let's talk about the uh, that's uh that's great stuff and and obviously um you're in it, so you know you're doing it every day. but what made you kind of slide to the promotional or the organizational side of the sport as opposed to just continuing to drive
1: well uh another thing that I always enjoy is you know graphic arts it's a hobby of mine I've got a little side business, and so you kind of was able to. Build some relationships with tracks and things like that and help do the flyers and and kind of the promotion just kind of came together. And, you know, my background is marketing, so it all kind of fits together. But uh, like I said, you know, my my dad's been quick racing for over 20 years and he's always been kind of helping put on races at, you know, our local track is Kill Care there in Xenia and he's helped put them on there for years. And, um, with the planning sponsors, you know, calling racers and inviting them because you know social media is not necessarily for everybody so you know still relying the old school calling people and just watching him do it and it, the it kind of developed with everything i was doing there with national trail i was doing a lot of graphics for them and they had a program that in the past was okay it had, had kind of been failing a little bit you know slower fields and things like that so last winter we we had a conversation and decided let's try to revamp this thing before we just throw it away so i've kind of done similar to what he's done there at Killcare and kind of helped with the program there at national trail so you know, we work hand in hand as far as scheduling goes we obviously don't want to uh overlap either of those races at you know the same weekend as you know the two tracks are only an hour and a half apart and we obviously try to avoid nhr and pdra races too so sure. it almost just kind of fell together as a natural fit but you know we the the deal at kill care it's a separate 16 car fields and it it does get you know pretty good attendance this year at national trail has been uh, definitely a growing year from what it had been in the past and it didn't have the greatest reputation of actually being fast in the years past so it seems like each race more and more people came and the fields got a little faster so definitely encouraged for what the future holds there just you know with the field that we were able to do uh there this year it was an eight car dragster eight car door car quick 16 with a door and a dragster final which is you know something that doesn't happen a whole lot but something a little different and you know, some of the tracks around here have done that in years past before they completely separated everything, everything. and i i it's kind of cool to, to bring back almost the, the nostalgia of a door versus dragster final
0: right and have you have you felt like people have really embraced that or uh they push back a little bit? I mean, I think you know for a long time it was uh felt like there was some disadvantage but if you look at the big money bracket uh racing finals, I mean the door cars are winning all the time so is there is there any pushback from the the racers at all for having that uh door car dragster final?
1: Nothing that we had heard uh specifically and the way that we kind of tailored the purse was that Still get heavily rewarded for winning your quick eight, um, and then the final basically is just a runoff for another two hundred dollars. So I got you. Not really a whole lot at stake, um, and, and it is a point series there, so everyone's lumped in together. It's not you know a separate door champion and a separate dragster champion. It's it's all lumped in together. So kind of you got to do it that way. But you know, didn't really have anyone saying, oh, "I don't really like that." Uh, when you, by the time you get to the final round, you're not running for much difference, and it's right. you. Know, it'd be different if you it's twelve hundred to win and four hundred to runner up, but you know just by being in the final round, you've already you know got a thousand dollars to you to your name. So really, no pressure in that last round. Just kind of a, a fun little little deal, and something different for the fans to see. Right.
0: No, um, that that makes perfect sense, and um, you know I think what. A, what I think is so necessary is that we have series like this, um, because you know, people don't just go from uh nothing to, you know, let's let's call it uh you know, NHRA division three or a PDRA sure. elite top sportsman. I mean you gotta you've gotta make the progression, at least I think in a lot of ways you should just from a safety standpoint. Um and so do you get a lot of questions, you get newcomers that are saying, Hey, I'd I'd like to try this but uh walk me through the process.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, we've had, it seems like every racer has been new faces that have shown up and it, it seems like that there at that last race, which was just a few weeks back, there were, uh, some local guys from Kilcare that finally, I was able to convince them to come up and they had a lot of fun and they said that they're looking forward to, to running the whole series next year rather than just the last couple of races. And the way that we had designed the program was, uh, national trails, Points races are a weekend deal. It's a Saturday and a Sunday race. There's you know test and tune on Friday or a shootout or something like that. Originally we were going to do just a Saturday race, have Sunday as a rain date. And obviously no one's schedule finished the way that it looked uh, when it was drawn up right. early in the off season. So, you know, Corona did their thing and then changed everyone's schedule. And with a condensed schedule this year, we ended up having to do just three weekends with a Saturday and a Sunday race. But going forward, the plan is definitely one race a weekend, um, Saturday, with Sunday being the rain date. Um, But, you know, if a guy comes up with a fast bracket car and wants to bracket race, he can still run a quick program and bracket race both days. Uh, So that is enticing to some, not necessarily all the fast guys would necessarily do that. But, you know, there have been guys come from. Uh, out of state, like at the last race, you know Tim Pap was there, and he's got a bracket car, so he was bracket racing, and then quick racing the fast car, so that worked gotcha. out pretty well for him. Um, and then there were some guys with you blower know, cars running the four forties that were actually running both classes.
0: Right, makes sense. Um, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good setup for guys that want to do both and you know want to get a lot of action in.
1: Uh, yeah, and you know the way that the the season kind of opened up, it's you know one toe and you could technically have three, four, five races if you get there on Friday. So you know, as far as the, the travel expense it, it kinda cuts it down, you get more bang for your buck if you know that's what appeals to you.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you know, with National Trail where they're centrally located there right off of Interstate seventy, so you can get there pretty easy from the east and from the west and you know, north and south isn't too hard coming down off of seventy one and then dropping in. So it's really a, a pretty good location.
0: Well it is, and you know I know it's been uh upgraded uh the last oh, couple of yeah. years, and you know i I have an affinity for that track because it's the the only place I've ever run a perfect uh made a perfect pass a uh, triple zo- right. triple zip dead on and uh so like i have a i have a, a lot of love for that track not that i'll ever get it done again but uh <laughs> but uh but I have fond memories so uh that's that's really good stuff um and you you talked about Um, the fact that you've kind of reset this series uh, last year and kind of this Mm -hmm. was the first year. So talk a little bit about some of the successes you've had and and maybe some of the challenges that uh, you you got to address.
1: Yeah. um, I would consider the season to be pretty successful, especially considering what it had been in the previous years. But just in general, if it started up last year, I would still say that it was a successful series. Um, Throughout the course of the season, I think there were – uh, a little over 60 people that had come out at least for one of the races, and they put their final points up on the, the internet. And there's you know, only 40 that are listed, and those are guys that you know, have round wins too. So you know there are guys that didn't make the field, and I think that totaled up to be about 60 cars. The door car side was, I would have to say, very successful this year. I think the fastest bump was a 428, which is you know wow. scooting pretty good for an eight car field. That yeah, is. I think the slowest bump was probably a mid 40 um i mean it was really really well attended there on the door car side dragster side was you know, kind of hit or miss that last race was pretty good uh i think the bump was like a 443 or 439 actually i think was the, our last bump on the dragster side um and then some of the earlier weeks out like i said you know it wasn't always fast before and i think there was you know, guys were kind of uh, Taken aback and just watching to see what what it was. So it seems like every every event the door or the dragster side got a little faster. said said see new people at each each event, so definitely successful in that aspect as far as you know challenges go. Uh, especially this season with everyone's schedules being so condensed, was just avoiding overlapping schedules. Um, there were a couple events that I ended up. Uh, being on top of, like, a PDRA race, which, you know, we hate to do that. But all things considered, with the hand we were dealt in 2020, that it's uh, kind of hard to get a, a perfectly clean schedule with no overlaps. So the moving events kind of kind of was a challenge, obviously. Yeah,
0: I can imagine, yeah. I mean, this, uh, this whole year has been a mess from that standpoint. So it sounds it, like you, you navigated it pretty well, though.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that we had to our advantage was Usually, weather is a challenge. Uh, being in the Midwest and Ohio, especially, you lose a lot of races due to rain. And uh, we didn't really lose a whole lot up there at National Trail, or even the you know, at Killcare Series. Killcare lost a couple races. Uh, we did have a, a rain delay, a heavy delay at one of the National Trail races, which uh, probably had seen it on on social media. That was the, the day that that fog rolled in. They were running till three in the morning. He couldn't hardly see the scoreboards from the starting line. Luckily, they postponed the the quick stuff to the next morning. But uh, we were still running there. I think eleven thirty is when we ran second round. Then we ran the uh, the semifinal the next morning. So weather always a tra- <clears throat> excuse me always a challenge, but this year at least played uh, played nicely with us. Yeah, that's that's uh,
0: one of the bright spots I think of twenty twenty. Is really we haven't had too many races that have been just rained out or whatever it might be.
1: Um, yeah, and uh, Kill has got one more race coming up yet this year. Which, uh, that's that's kind of the, the series that my dad promotes a little bit more. Oh, okay. yeah. um, that's that's coming up on the 24th, but, you know, talks so nicely about weather. We'll see how, how she treats <laughs> us here in another week or two. Right. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, Ohio in October, you're probably going to be you know, 42 or 82.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't want to jinx it by talking about the weather too much either. Um
1: Yeah. I mean, like The the last Kill Care race that we had there in September, there were 60 cars total that showed up to run two separate Quick 16s or 34 door cars and 26 tracks or so. Wow. As far as a success standpoint goes, that was definitely a bright spot for the, for the year. That, that was a lot of cars. <laughs> I don't That's... think the track was expecting that because, you know, obviously the Quick cars take a little bit longer than a regular bracket car, so that added a little bit to the runtime of the program that they weren't really anticipating when the, when they opened the gates that day. Sure.
0: But are the tracks seeing a little bit of maybe uptick in the uh, fan attendance? If you advertise a quick 16 or a quick eight, are they? Yeah, I would would
1: definitely say so. And this year it's, it's really hard to, to gauge that just because of, you know, what you're allowed to advertise and what you're allowed to do as far as fans go. But one thing that National Trail did at that last race, uh, the last Quick Series race, was on what they call the Halloween Hootout, which is kind of their their big end of the year deal, and uh, they had shut the the race down for about an hour, opened it up to public for trick or treat. So there were a ton of kids going trailer to trailer trick or treating, and it was really cool to see. And you know the guys at Trails, they're they're pretty sharp. They uh, once the trick or treat was ending first thing out on the track was the next round of the quick 16 so you know put the fastest cars down the track so all the you know the publics that that doesn't always come out there sees that because you know we we put on a show it might not be the best show we're not jet cars but we're going pretty fast so that got some attention and then they followed it right up by putting juniors on the track next so now the kids are hooked so that'll be Uh, a true test to see how many of those families want to come back again next year after they kind of got a little bit of a teaser there on the the Halloween Hootout out race.
0: I love it yeah that's nicely done and that's kind of what we have to do um, is make sure our marketing efforts match the competitive efforts right and so that's really well really well done. Well Ryan um, do this if you how does someone get a hold of you if if they're a racer in the Midwest and they want to attend one of, uh, you know, the quick eight or quick 16 that you guys have at National Trail or Killcare, Care? Or if um, you're a racer or maybe a, a track operator around the country and you want to emulate kind of what you've done, which has been pretty successful, uh, how do they get a hold of you and um, to just learn more about what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're all on Facebook. You can look me up on Facebook. Just my normal name, Ryan Burba. Shoot me a, a friend request, shoot me a message. I'll be more than happy to you know, go through any questions or anything like that. And like I said, I do graphics. I'll be happy to help you with a flyer. You know, that's something I enjoy doing. Um, Kill Carry and National Trail both post a lot about those races that they do. So you can follow their pages and see the, the flyers and the, their write ups and things like that. Uh, And just, you know, we'd be happy to help. You know, we don't have to compete against everybody and kind of make a a good program for anybody out there trying to do what we're doing. And the biggest thing is having some some people on your side, you know, sponsors and partners that are able to help kind of increase the purse and and things like that and and really support the series. It it obviously takes racers, but it takes good people in your corner to to help the program kind of get to where it is and continue to grow every year. And that's obviously one of the things that, we try to do every year is make it a little better than it was last year so with with what i'm doing at trails you know we're trying to make the program a little better next year hopefully can get a little bit more sponsors on board same thing with what we're doing at kill care seems like uh, every year we we get a few more cars and if we keep doing that you know it'll really be something special
0: i like it i like it ryan thanks so much for coming on and talking um about true love and and uh you know quick 16 racing I, i love it all
1: Absolutely. I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for allowing me a platform to talk about the things we're doing down here in Ohio. Yep.
0: Uh, now, that's great stuff. I, I wish you well for the rest of the season and uh, for you personally. Guys, girls, that was Ryan Burba, if you need him. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's hit the override. Let's take the stripe, guys, girls. That is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 60. 60. There it is. There's the wind light and Gloria. Guys, girls, we had a great week this week. First of all, we had no Roadster Talk, so that's always good. We got you caught up on the new NHRA corporate sponsor. We talked about True Love. We talked about... Uh, Historic bumps. We talked with Ryan Berba, who runs the Quick 16 series and Quick 8 series and National Trail. Um, great, great stuff today from uh, Ryan. If you have comments, questions, or curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me. Uh, you can uh, hit the Facebook page using Messenger, you can put it on a cursing parrot. And you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. on what sir 60 straight shows with no roadster talk man it's awesome isn't it like it's it's really been impressive i'm so impressed you are the cal ripkin of no roadster talk i could not be prouder